Welcome everybody in the Off the Ball Network fandom and beyond. Once again, to your usual Monday night affair. All of you love joining us here when we are on Facebook, Twitter, and our own YouTube. To yet another episode of the Bunts and Bruises podcast. Coming to you guys as always, bringing top-notch, top-tier hockey and baseball content on a weekly basis. As always, one of your two captains leading this ship, Jurgen, with you to bring you guys playoff updates and all that's happening in the hockey world. And of course, of course, with me, as always, the dawn of baseball at the Off the Ball Network, a man who he doesn't need pine tar in order to help his pitching, and he doesn't need a juiced ball to smack 40 homers in a season. My guy, James Barcia. James, how we doing? Jared, you bring all the juice I need, man. You pump me up all the time with these intros, but you know, man, I'm doing great. Had long days of work, and you know me, Monday nights, this is where I want to be anytime, any day of the week. But there was a lot going on in sports this week, Jerg. So I say let's try let's try to squeeze it all in as much as we can and let's get to it. Where are we starting this week, Jerg? Well, actually, before we really get rolling, James, I think it's worth letting the people know that the Bunsen Bruises podcast today, we're not alone. We are brought to you all by monkeyknifefight.com. Monkeyknifefight.com is a site where you can place bets, of course, with sports betting that has partnered with the Off the Ball Network before. They're helping bring you this episode tonight. So, James, let, let the people know what what can they what can they go on the site and you know play play some money down on today. You know, you are the betting connoisseur. You know, I do hit my bets every once in a while. I'm like fifty one percent. That's all you need to do to become a professional handicapper. So we're good to go here, Jerk. But monkey knife fight. It's not crazy. It doesn't. It's not some like you know we're gambling on jail gulag fights or anything. No, it's just good old fashioned sports. And honestly. You can rush on in with this goal rush promo they have where you pick three players to make a goal and you win a share their jackpot. So, for example, the jackpot's $1,000. However many people actually hit on three different players to hit a goal, that's actually pretty hard. You end up splitting that jackpot with them. And if no one actually wins that day, you get $100 rolled over into the jackpot and it's the same jackpot the next day. So, no one wins, the money is still out there and you're adding some more. So make sure you pick, make your picks. But not only do they have it for the bruises, Jerk, they also got it for the bunts in their home run derby. It's exactly the same thing. You pick three players to hit a home run and you win the $1,000 jackpot. $100 rolls over if no one wins that day. But when you're on, first-time users, make sure you use promo code off the ball. That's promo code off the ball. And when they will reward first-time users a first-time 100% matchup of fifty dollars honestly you go all in with the fifty dollars right there jerk and then you have a hundred dollar bet boom it's easy you put all the money into this home run derby and that's it i'll tell you exactly what three players to pick two jerk will tell you what three players to pick for a goal we got you america we're gonna make you some money just remember to use promo code off the ball for first time users and make sure to have fun with those two games right there absolutely you know definitely go on the site you know place your picks and like you said, James, just just have a ball with it, have fun. Again, for first time users, like how, how awesome is that, James? Isn't that always the best? You, you get a promo code where essentially your bet is doubled. It's free money, jerk. Anytime anyone's giving me free money, I love it. Hey, hey, I, I don't think there's a single human being in the world that's gonna say no to free money. That's just my opinion. At least I haven't met someone in my close circle of friends that would say no to free money. But today, ladies and gentlemen, just a couple hours ago, the New York Rangers players are going to be saying hello to their new coach soon as just a few hours before we started the show today very thankful that we got this nugget of news uh prior prior to going live is that the rangers are not wasting any time they're not going any further into the offseason chris drury the new general manager and i think he's also the president as of now i don't at least i don't remember he if he is. Feels it. as far yes. as i know he's president yeah so he's he's taken on both roles at such a young age in terms of managerial wise but he, he's definitely proved within the organization that he has the makeup in order to you know, perform at these tasks. And I think he's proven very early, James, that he is more than ready, more than willing, more than competent enough to do so with the hiring of Gerard Gallant to be the next head coach for the original six team. Now, James is ki- uh, kind of smirking here for a reason. I think one of those reasons is the fact that <laughs> one of those reasons is the fact that his Las Vegas Golden Knights, who play tonight, by the way, yes, uh, that is the team that Gerard Gallant used to coach. So, James, you have a little bit of experience with Gallant leading a team. What can you tell Rangers fans? What can they expect to have this man lead the organization now, lead these players into battle? 
just because he was a free agent out there, Ranger fans, don't be worried. This guy is a stud of a coach. This guy is a hockey guy. Like how I was stuttering last week talking about how DJ LeMahieu was a baseball guy. This guy is a hockey guy. Eats, sleeps, and breathes hockey. And realistically, a lot of people, including myself, I didn't know much, but everyone told me this guy was a great coach, and the only reason he got let go is because we lost a 3-1 lead whenever we lost it. But regardless, he took a year off, and he's ready to go. He actually had a whole bunch of suitors, but he fit in perfectly here with the Rangers. And what Rangers fans are going to like is a lot of people say he's like Dan Quinn, where he's not he's not a media big superstar guy. He's kind of just, you know, like I say, he's a hockey guy. He's going to be there. He's going to tell you whatever your questions and answers are. He's going to give you the X's and O's. He's not going to try and sugarcoat it or anything like Aaron Boone or something like that, you know, which is exactly a big reason why a lot of people like him because he strictly means business. So shout out to VP Mo, but I don't know how them lightning are looking with these New York Islanders. I've been rooting for them. This is the Cinderella story, Jerk. You want to say it's the Canadians, but no, it's the New York Islanders. But back to the Golden Knights. Uh, Golden Knights, they lost a good, a good one, but the Rangers, they got a great one. You know what they say? One man's trash is another man's treasure. This guy wasn't even trash. He was like recycling or something. He was something better than that. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Like People forget before he became the Vegas Golden Knights coach, he was the head coach for the m- most recent time the Florida Panthers had made the playoffs up until this season. I guess technically last season when they made it in the bubble, but let's ignore that just for a half moment real quick. The time before that, when he was with the Panthers, he led them to their best season in quite a while. And the only reason that the team really struggled after is because the, the change in uh, management in the organization screwed him over. Like there was two different conflicting styles that, you know, when you bring in different managing cores, they want to go with a certain way of building the roster. And, Gerard Glan is a good coach, but you can't switch up the way you're going to build a roster from one year to the next and not allow him to adjust. Don't give him any continuity with the team and ultimately screw him over. So he got a raw deal at the end of his Panthers tenure. In fact, James, I, I think I don't I don't know if you saw this when it happened, but they literally sent him home home and I don't even think they paid for his flight back. Like, I think he had to take a cab by himself to the airport, get his own ticket. It was something That's along cool. those lines. Yeah, exactly. It just goes to show it's one of the most uh, like something so grimy right there. But he got rewarded. He ended up uh, being the first ever head coach for the Vegas Golden Knights. I guess you could technically say the best ever head coach, even though there's only been one other person since. But he was the guy that led them to the Stanley Cup finals in year one and the greatest uh, record for an expansion team in NHL playoff history. Uh, at At the end of the day, like this was such a talented dude. And even with him leaving the Golden Knights, James, it's not even so much about the fact that they ended up losing that 3-1 lead uh, to San Jose in the playoffs, like the year after they made it to the cup. But the thing was, uh, allegedly, this is allegedly now that him and some people in the organization managerial wise did not get along. And the fact that this guy, both his tenures end with him not getting along with management, quote unquote, as the main reason, because in Florida, they screwed him over and Vegas just... I, I still don't understand why to this day. Like, yeah, they had a losing streak. And when Kenneth was here a couple weeks back, he spoke about how sometimes you make that change to like put energy in the organization. I can understand what they were doing, but Gerard Gallant is someone who more than deserves the opportunity to prove himself. He deserves a leash, especially again, year one, they made it to the Stanley cup finals. Only two, only two expansion teams in NHL history have done that. Vegas being one of them. Heck the, you look at all sports, how many expansion teams, performed that well in year one not many and he was the guy so i think this is a phenomenal ad and last point james you said that he's a guy that he he doesn't worry about having the superstar well now he does have the superstar by the way and he has back-to-back top picks to work with alexis lafreniere last year capo caco two dynamic offensive players come on now this dude absolutely absolutely has the toys to play around with now uh with the rangers so that this is a slam dunk of a pick phenomenal move here by the rangers to add on chris jury First critical move as the new Rangers GM, A+. I just got one question about this whole hiring, Jerry. There was a lot of rumors going on about Mark Messier having some kind of uh, role in, in the franchise. Is there any chance of that still happening, or you think that's it with this signing, it's about done, or you think Messier might come in as a GM and Drury just sticks as the president? So I think Mess would probably come in as the president and Drury would handle all the, you know, the hockey moves in and of itself. Respectfully to Mark Messier. 
an absolute unit of a player back when he played. The thing is, is that I myself personally, I'm, I've always been 50-50 on when former great players end up taking coaching and managerial roles. It just doesn't always end up well. Now, hockey's a little bit different. There is some track record for that. But I think the thing is with Drury, he's worked within the organization the last four plus years to get to this point. He was the GM of the AHL team within like the first year and a half or two of joining the Rangers management. Like he has risen up the ranks very quickly. He actually... Honestly, if the Rangers hadn't given him this role officially, then he probably would have been taken by another team. Heck, the Seattle Kraken, if obviously they had been named their GM, but if they had waited a little bit longer, I think uh, Drury would have been the guy there, truthfully. So he's so talented. I think he deserves a chance to be the GM. Not saying Messier won't be involved. I truly do believe he will get involved in some way, shape, or form. And I think that would be a good thing for the Rangers to bring him in, you know, as a liaison to the organization, which... Who doesn't love a good veteran liaison? But yes, Drury, like I said, A-plus move. Messier could probably follow, which would be another phenomenal move. And overall, great addition with Gerard Gallant. But speaking of Gallant and teams that he has coached before, the Las Vegas Golden Knights, of course, play tonight game one of one of the Stanley Cup semifinal series against the Canadiens de Montreal. The Canadians have made just an absolute Cinderella run. James was hyping up the Islanders before. You can make a case for both, but truthfully, I think the Montreal Canadiens are more likely the Cinderella team because they were the worst team in terms of points uh, coming into the playoffs. I just... A few below the Islanders. It wasn't like a significant gap, but they were below them at the end of the regular season. And I think just the fact that they made it this far, they overcame the 3-1 deficit to Toronto, and then they swept the Winnipeg Jets. Took them right out the playoffs. Uh, that that deserves credence. Playoff P in terms of Carey Price, that's how a playoff P should actually perform. So showing you that hockey is really better than basketball in every way. Uh, but ultimately, Montreal has made it this far, and a lot of people are expecting a good series here. Now, James, of course, you are a Golden Knights fan. You guys did just defeat the President's Trophy winning Avalanche, but I know you're not biased. So what in your mind, you know, from your perspective, how do you see at least the beginning stages of this series playing out? I know you're going to have your team winning, but the first like two to three games, what are you expecting Vegas to do to combat Carey Price and this Canadian team? Honestly, I don't even know what they can do to combat Carey Price, man, because I've been most of the games I've actually watched have been Canadian games and just this guy's filthy, jerk. Literally, I was annoying you the other day, just like, oh, my God, he blocked. Oh, my God, he saved it again. Oh, my God, he saved it again. It's just this guy's literally unstoppable right now. And it kind of reminds you the run that the Canadians are having not too long ago. It was the uh, the Blues two years ago where they were the worst team in the league and then they ended up coming back and winning it all. And you're the first person to ever tell me, Jerg, and you said it in and throughout the entire playoffs. Realistically, all it comes down to is your goalie play. And you can look right over at the Islanders on the other side of the game. They're strictly there because of their goalie play. Goalie might be something, man. They need to pull out some magic from their sleep. They need to make a rabbit appear out bad or something because this guy, Carey Price, he just seems unstoppable at the moment. He is just a force to be reckoned with. No, absolutely. Uh, as myself and Kenneth pointed out a few weeks back when we did a, a full preview going into round one, uh, it's all about goaltending come the NHL playoffs, right? It's about how talented is your goalie. Can, can they put together a run of games where they're just stopping dang near everything? Not necessarily always a shutout, but on a night where it feels like the other team should have gotten four or five goals, did your goalie limit them to just one or two, right? And Carey Price has certainly done that. Like, Look at the last four times Montreal has been in the postseason. Carey Price is not the reason this team ends up losing in the playoffs. He is the reason they even make it as far as they do or are competitive. Like you go back to last season, they upset the Pittsburgh Penguins in the 12 to five matchup in the play and in the bubble. And then they give Philly everything that they can and lose in just six games. And it Carter Hart last season when he was playing very good, like Carey Price showed that young man, like, Hey, th- this is how it has to be in the playoffs. Like you have to play as great as you can. And then the team in front of you will let you down (laughs) in some cases, which is what happened last year. But again, you know, this Montreal team, I think that little run in the bubble. See, this is why I hate the people that say the bubble didn't matter, because I think that bubble run really helped this team going forward. There are a couple new pieces from last season, Anderson to Foley, etc. But the thing is, is that, you know, Kotkaniemi and Suzuki and Petrie being able to play uh, critical minutes, you know, throughout his career in Montreal now in the playoffs, Shea Weber being the captain, like, all of those guys coming in and getting that experience together last season, then going into this year, I think that was very key in, in how this team is done. And you looked at early in the Maple Leaf series when this team was struggling, they won that first game because of Carey Price. And then their offense really started to get better when they started playing the young guns. So 
ultimately, I, I I did not understand why they sat their young players at the start of the series. They never should have, but they've learned from that since. And those guys have performed well. You know, this defensive core is performing as best they can. They did a pretty good job against Winnipeg. And I really do think, James, you know, I don't think this is in any way going to be a, a walk in the park for your Vegas Golden Knights. I think Montreal has more than a puncher's chance here to force this to series to go at least six or seven. Vegas actually, as people forget, they're 0-2 in the playoffs this season. So it wouldn't shock me at all if they actually ended up dropping this game tonight. And I, the craziest part is actually, Jerk, this is going to be the Canadians' first game in the U.S. since March 7th of 2020. So hopefully that crowd in Vegas could come help out and, you know, rattle up your uh, Montreal Canadiens or however you say it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think, honestly, that's going to be the main thing for the Golden Knights is they can't put themselves in a hole early. They shouldn't drop this game, even though my gut's telling me they really are probably going to drop this game because I could just see Carey Price being dominant, doing something stupid like 55 saves or like on 56 attempts or something insane like that. I could see it. I really could. But uh, the main thing they need to do is they need to just, I guess, be physical because that's the only way you're really going to get through uh, the Canadians' defense. That's the only way you're really going to rattle carry price a little bit you know it's just you need to you need to get some of those one-on-ones against him and or two-on-ones and take full advantage if you get a power play going you need to take full advantage of that at all costs oh no absolutely i think you bring up a good point there i think with some of the youth that's on this canadians team you you think back to last season when vegas went against vancouver they were just the more physical team throughout the series and while Vancouver did force a game seven after being down three, one, you saw in that game seven, Vegas, just ultimately they didn't win by a blowout at all, but they, it was that physicality, that playoff, you know, experience and grit that helped them. And I think while they slightly have that over Montreal again, man, it's just, it's about your goalie and care. And, and granted, Marc-Andre Fleury is phenomenal, you know, cannot take away anything he's done. He's actually very close. I think he's just two wins away from, you know, advancing on the all-time playoffs win list. Again, an underrated goalie in terms of his generation. I really do think like he's not being talked enough about in terms of how great he's been. So he he should do well. Then again, I, there was rumors before this game, James, that they were pro- they were considering sitting him again, like they did against Colorado. You can't r- risk it at this point. I know Flurry's up there in age, but it's the playoffs. Your your best goalie needs to play. And all due respect to Robin Lehner, Mark Andre Flurry has been that guy without question. That's why they ended up being Colorado. While their defense did you know did their job against the avalanche offense mark andre Fleury put a stop to the avalanche straight up he did not allow mckinnon to be the offensive dynamo he is he didn't allow landis cog and rantanen to do their thing mark andre Fleury has just been that dude <laughs> straight up so i'm expecting him he's definitely going to go i think this is one of the two i think both series the goalies are going to go save for save against one another but like you said james it would not shock me at all if Carey Price has a game tonight where he just goes off for like 45 saves. Uh, by the way, on monkeyknifefight.com, actually, there's a bet of how many saves Carey Price is going to ha- collect tonight for an over-under. Definitely go and check that one out, as well as the three goals that you want to put down. I think that that's a that should be something that most people look into because Carey Price, I think, James, he's going to have to get used to stopping a lot of shots because this Vegas team is definitely going to put a lot of shots on that. They're used to starting fast, which is, it, it makes it it makes you really wonder, like you said, James, they've lost both game ones so far in the playoffs. And for a team that's actually been used to starting fast, like, how are they doing that? You know, it, it it's very weird. You know, when you're just, when you're so good, Jerk, you just, there's on and off switch. And that's all it is. You know, we turn it on when we want and that's it. We're going to take it all away. We're going to win the cup. But speaking of a team that's been turning it on and off lately, let's talk about the New York Islanders, Jerk, because this team has, let me tell you, imagine they actually win this series, Jerk. Imagine the run they will have to make it to the Stanley Cup. Not only you went through the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Boston Bruins, and you were down to the Boston Bruins an insane amount. How far were they down? They were down like 3-1? No, no, just 2-1. 2-1, regardless. You were down, and no one had (laughs) them winning the series at all. That's true. Imagine they play and beat the reigning champs to make it into the Stanley Cup. I wouldn't even know who to root for, Jerg, if it's the Islanders and the Golden Knights together. I just, I wouldn't know. It, I'd be internally torn. I'd probably still go for the Golden Knights, though, because, you know, we're just that nice. And, and that and that's why, you know, a lot of hockey fans hate Vegas Golden Knights fans because of all that that you just said. We have an on and off switch. We're going to win the Cup, da-da-da. Already placing himself in the Stanley Cup Finals, and Game 1 ain't even been played yet. Look at this guy. But I... James, going over to the point that you brought up is the fact that, yes, tonight, uh, well, actually, yesterday was game one of the other Stanley Cup semifinal series. The Tampa Bay Lightning, the defending cup champions with home ice advantage against the New York Islanders. And home ice 
it didn't do a lot for them. Now, it was a very close game the entire way. I actually, uh, I color casted the game on the color cast app yesterday for anyone that, you know, wants to check those out in the future. Colorcast is an awesome app. I, I did that game. And from watching the game, the first two periods, it was weird, James. It followed the same dang formula where Tampa Bay would start off like the first six, seven, eight minutes of the period on fire. They they were going up and down the ice, getting shots up, you know, just pelting Varlamov, getting the puck behind the net, you know, ev- anything and everything. Like they got shots up simply, simply put. But then, you know, as, as each period went on, the Islanders defense started to settle in and it was harder for Tampa Bay to get the puck up and down the ice. It was harder for them to get clean shots off. And it all culminated in the third period where, unlike the first and the second, that was fully an Islanders period the entire way. The Islanders dominated the third period. Uh, They eventually got two goals for themselves in the game. Matthew Barzell with an absolutely phenomenal goal, five-hole on Vasilevsky. And then the second goal Vasilevsky allowing him was a five-hole as well. And Tampa Bay, they didn't get a goal until like literally the final minute of the game. And and that was that. And you're not going to beat this Islanders team with just scoring one goal in the final minute because they're most likely going to get at least one or two up there. So that is how that game ended up playing out. As you spoke about, James, it is about goalie play. And this is, again, both these series are highlighted by the goalies because Vasilevsky is phenomenal. He's one of the Vesna Trophy finalists this season. He did allow the two goals, but it's not on him. Yes, they were five holes. And typically those are the, the kinds of goals that goalies get absolutely slaughtered for by fan bases. Check Vancouver Canucks about a decade ago at this point Roberto Luongo game seven that is something that you know Vancouver fans would never let him live down and also something that haunts their nightmares but ultimately Vasilevsky did his job the offense didn't step up and I'm really going to be interested to see I actually spoke about this to to the end of the color cast how are the lightning going to respond because that was the first time these two teams had faced each other since last year's game six of the Eastern Conference Finals because remember Teams only face their divisional opponents. So the Lightning and Islanders have not seen each other since that game six. Literally the last time these two teams faced off, the lasting image before yesterday was Tampa Bay huddled around the Prince of Wales because they won the East, right? And the Islanders remembered that. And they said, okay, we're, we're going to go at this team. And it was their, their game plan was put to perfection. Varlamov did his thing. The offense tried to step up early on before they ultimately got the goal. And then they absolutely shut it down. In no way, shape, or form am I going to say that's going to happen again, like verbatim, because I think this Lightning team is going to respond. This team is just too lethal. Like, they're literally, these guys are snipers. You could put a sniper rifle in their hand. You could send them in the army for your country, and you'll probably have a good chance of winning the war. Like, that's how lethal these dudes are with their shots. So I don't think they're going to be held down for long, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see another kind of game like this where Tampa just does not have an answer for New York. I really wouldn't be shocked. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked either, to be honest, just because this, like you said, Jerk, this team's just so lethal, man. It's just, they only got 30 shots, uh, 30 shots attempted, you know? So I expect way more. That's like hearing 30 shots from Tampa is like an eye opener. That's like, you usually hear them, they're in the 40s, even, and most teams are, don't even hit the 40s like that, from what I understand, Jerk. Tell me if I'm wrong. Am I wrong? No, right? The 40s is a good game on shots. Oh, yeah. 40, like 30, 30 is not bad for, for a team like the Lightning. You actually, like you said, you'd kind of be shocked. And it's not just that they only got 30 shots, James. It's the fact that a lot of those shots didn't come until the end. So, like, they were stuck in, like, the in the mid-20s for quite a while. Like that, that's how bad it was for them. Like this is, it's one of those games where you have to see it play out, not just with the stat sheet to really understand like, oh, they were absolutely shut down. Like that, that should have been a shutout. And that's be told. exactly the only way the Islanders are actually going to win this one. If they just get nitty gritty and they don't give Tampa exactly the same way I was saying, the only way the Golden Knights could win. Islanders have to fit, uh, do the same exact thing. To be honest, they gotta they gotta be aggressive. They gotta bump them up, and they gotta let Tampa know there's not gonna be any of these easy goals. If you get that, uh, like the one goal you said, it was right there by. It was a flick of the wrist. It wasn't, you know, they had to work for that goal. Yeah, and that's exa- that's the only way the Islanders are gonna win this series if they force Tampa Bay to work for every single goal they got. Yeah, and they can't. I think unlike the last two series where the Islanders got in a couple of games that were shootouts with the Bruins and Penguins and actually did end up winning. I'm sorry, I don't expect the Islanders to win a single one of these shootouts. Like, if it gets to a high-scoring game, it's not going to be like five to four. It's going to be seven to four. Tampa can hang seven goals on you. Yeah. They did that to this Islanders team last year, and again, that's fresh in the mind. I think again, we always talk about this, James. Mentally, it's it's a whole different thing. I think mentality should never be underrated when it comes to how teams can do. And I truthfully believe that the Islanders are using that as motivation. But at the same time, be wary. These are the defending Stanley Cup champions for a reason. 
I would be shocked if they get back-to-back games where they shut out Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos. And Steven Stamkos, the captain himself, said like he puts that game on him. So you're telling me you're going to get a motivated Steven Stamkos, a motivated Victor Hedman, and a motivated Nikita Kucherov. The Islanders, hey, again, you deserve the game one win, but if you're fans, pray. Pray that those guys don't start to get things going in game two. Because if those guys get going, oh my God, it's it, it's going to be lethal. It's really going to be lethal. For sure, Dirk. And speaking of getting going, it's getting going in this NBA playoffs over here. And it's just, it's not getting going for my Brooklyn Nets. It's, it's unfortunately, it's getting the complete opposite of going. It's going off the rails is what's happening over there in Brooklyn. For those that don't know, yesterday the Brooklyn Nets dropped game four to the Milwaukee Bucks. And it was a close game up until, unfortunately, the one, the only, Mr. Kyrie Sage Irving. He went for a drive and landed on his ankle. And honestly, that ankle roll, it looked super bad. Like, I saw the replay. You saw, like, the bone touch the floor, it looked like. And honestly, they did uh, x-rays, and it came. everything came out negative, which is a good thing. But... I don't think we expect to see Kyrie for, I said yesterday, Jerk, when it happened, I don't expect to see him for the rest of his playoffs at all. If we make it to the finals, that's a maybe. But I don't expect to see him in the rest of this series. I don't expect to see him for the next series if the Nets do make it. And we'll be lucky if we get him in the finals. And same for James Harden. I'm not expecting him to play on uh, game five tomorrow at 830. I expect him to come back game six if it's a do or die. If it's not a do or die, then, you know, maybe they let him rest up. This game five coming up could really change Kevin Durant's legacy because this is this is it. Everyone gave him a bad rap because he went with the super team. He built the team he wanted. He went to Golden State. Right now, he lost the super team. And it's just him and a bunch of role players. But honestly, Kevin Durant's good enough where I think he could take the Nets to win this series. It's just it depends on all the role players like Joe Harris, Blake Griffin, Bruce Brown. And all the other deeper guys like Tyler Johnson and everybody else, because if those guys don't step up, then it's gonna be it's gonna be a quick one for us over there in Brooklyn. We're not uh we're not feeling as happy as we were last week. Oh, how a difference a week plus makes. This time last week, James was at Game Two at Barclays. That's why we didn't have our show on Monday last week, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, he he was there. He was he was dancing the the fifty point lead. And then Kyrie get well, well, first off, that game three, that ugly game three happens where the Nets could have had it, but they shot so poorly in the first and Giannis and Middleton put it upon themselves to make sure the Bucks would win it. And then, like you said, James, game four, everything turned with Kyrie. I'm not surprised the Nets lost game four after Kyrie got out because I, I don't understand why most people don't think this through. But when your star gets hurt during the game, it's very hard to adjust to that in game. And I think you need a veteran coach if you're going to adjust well. And all due respect to Steve Nash, I don't I don't want to get too much into a coaching convo about him. We just had our – Gerard Gallant got his time. I'm not letting an NBA guy take it away from him. But it, w- when it comes to Steve Nash, I think a veteran coach would have probably been a better help there in terms of responding to the star player going out. And I think KD, while he had a nice stat line, he didn't finish strong. It was just not a formula that was going to lead to success in that game four – I think Kyrie getting out was a blow in that one. And ultimately, we're going to see what happens in Game 5. Like you, James, I really do believe Kevin Durant can have that big-time game. I just think the difference – I think Kevin Durant is going to go off. I think offensively, he's going to do his thing scoring-wise. I don't have any doubts about that. But I think the interesting thing, and I've heard people talk about this, is his ability as a playmaker now. He has actually been a guy, when you look at his – you know, when you really study his game, how much does he really create for others? And in terms of being that – pure general on the floor and creating for his teammates as often as he does. Like he's probably, you could argue top two, top three in terms of getting his own shot in the lead in, in the league, maybe number one, just because of the fact he's seven feet tall and he could shoot from 30 as Stephen A always uh, points out when he's talking about him. But at the same time, how much does he create for others? And I think that's going to be the big, like you talk about legacy. I, I hate micro analyzing it. I don't want to put him in that situation. He doesn't deserve that. He's one of the best we've ever seen. People got to stop playing around. But at the same time, the thing I'm going to look at is what are you going to do in terms of getting your teammates involved? Because I think for Kevin Durant, you need to get your guys going here. You, you got to get Blake going. You got to get Brown going. You just have to get Tyler Johnson going, man. Let him get out there, hit a couple threes. But in all seriousness, I, I want to see Kevin Durant the leader in games five and six more than I want to see just the player. We know who the player is, but I think the biggest thing the last four or five years, ever since he joined golden state, who is Kevin Durant, the leader. And I think for myself personally, I'm not going to question his whole legacy, but that's the aspect of him that I want to question with how these next few games play out. 
who is the leader that, you know, we all said he was going to be in OKC and that we didn't get a chance to see anymore when he went to Golden State? Because we all know that was Steph Steve, right? So are we going to see that Kevin Durant that we haven't seen since OKC? And that, I think, is the biggest question coming up with the Nets and Bucks series. But hey, at, at the end of the day, like you said, it's championship or bust with this Nets team and their timeline. Speaking of championship or bust, however, the Los Angeles Clippers are also having a pivotal game tonight game four between them and the utah jazz down two to one they won game three a couple nights ago off of the back of and yes Kawhi and paul george were amazing offensively but their defense was just so good in that game james i watched it and the way that Kawhi and paul george worked together in that one to make donovan mitchell's life hard to make jordan clarkson's life difficult it was amazing and donovan mitchell like again this is why i say stat sheet watching ain't how you analyze sports because yes donovan mitchell still had like about 30 points or so but he had to work for those shots i think if i'm not mistaken he was scoreless or went almost scoreless in the first and yes he went off in the second but then there was a drought where it was Kawhi or pg and he was just you know I don't want to say chucking shots, but his shot selection wasn't the best because it was just difficult in for him to adjust to the defensive intensity they threw at him in game three. What do you think, James? Myself, personally, I think the Clippers are going to win game four tonight. Can't wait to be wrong when this gets posted, uh, potentially, but I think they're going to win game four. What in your mind, how can Utah bounce back after that rough game three loss? Honestly, Utah just needs to keep doing what they're doing. They won the first two games. Yes, it was at Utah, and we're back at L.A., but if they just keep that formula going, Utah has proven already. They are one. They have been, not are. They have been one of the best teams, if not the best team in the entire league all season long, which, yes, a lot of people says it doesn't mean much now due to, you know, the diluted NBA regular season. But at the end of the day, this is a collection of talent that's been there. And honestly, they've been doing great without Mike Conley. So imagine if they had Mike Conley as well. I just think that it's really not what does the Utah Jazz need to do. It's more what do the Clippers need to do to win this game? Because Utah Jazz, they have the formula. They just need to make sure they get their shots off. Hopefully Jordan Clarkson steps back up because, yes, he put up 14 points, but that's not enough when right now you're currently Donovan Mitchell's running mate. And Rudy Gobert, he uh, he actually – he actually uh, – I thought he missed the game for a second. But, no, he uh, he didn't have that great a game either. He only- well, it felt, it felt like he missed the game considering exactly. they, they played the See, defensive player of the year off the floor. <laughs> I don't blame you, James. They played – second. Oh, look, I, I'll, I'll admit, I'm petty. You're not the defensive player of the year if you could get played off the floor in the playoffs. You're not. I don't care. How? That's 100% true. See, I, like, I just – I find that hilarious that it took me a second. Like, wait, was he in the game? Yeah, he was in the game. He had a double-double. It wasn't even a good double-double either. But, yeah, man, I, just like I said, you know, you need the people who've been stepping up all playoffs to step up again. And it's really the Utah Jazz game to lose because the Clippers need to do way more in terms of stepping up to win this game in L.A. again. Honestly, I feel – sorry, Jerk. I think you are going to lose, man. I think the Jazz are going to take it. It's going to be a 3-1 series heading back to Utah. Hey, I mean, that's fair. And Utah choked the 3-1 lead last year, so I'll gladly watch him do it again potentially. And, hey, I'll, I'll gladly take the loss on this prediction because I won getting to know you last week. So, you know, I'm still riding oh, that emotional. <laughs> but but speaking of the other series uh, that are happening right now in the second round, just really fast, the Phoenix Suns complete a four-game sweep of the Denver Nuggets. Nikola Jokic, the first MVP since 1989 to get swept out of the playoffs. Uh that that ultimately, James, I always viewed the second round as this was going to be the series where they missed Jamal Murray, no matter who the opponent would have been, even if it would have been the late, granted the Lakers are injured, but let's, let's just assume if the Lakers were healthy, right? And if it was a healthy LeBron and AD going in there against Denver, would it have been a sweep? Maybe I'm not going to just say it outright, Probably. but it wouldn't have been a win at all because this was the round where they were going to miss Jamal Murray the most. And I think Jamal Murray really would have made a difference in these two games. Uh, well, in the four games, but especially the game one when it was really close and either game three or game four, like he would have been, especially after they kicked Jokic out of game four yeah, on an absolute ridiculous. ridiculous flagrant two right there. We're going to, we're going to criticize another league to Helen back about some decisions here in a moment. So we're not going to get too much into it, but we both agree, James, that was just a stupid call. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, like you said, Jerry, I, I texted the group by game two. I was, even if they had Murray, I don't think the Nuggets would have beat this Phoenix Suns team because they have just been looking dominant. We're speaking right. of legacies, talking about KD just real quick. This is this team is just skyrocketing like Dogecoin. Chris Paul's legacy right now is just is to the moon with the way he's taking this team. And if my Nets don't make it, I'm rooting for this Suns team, man, because CP3 needs that ring, and he could arguably go down as, if not the best point guard of all time, the second best. No offense to Magic or IT. 
or or Stockton or any of them right there. Yeah, I I have been <laughs> I have been in the Chris Paul camp forever. I firmly believe he is a top five point guard of all time. Hell, I'll even argue he's a top three point guard of all time. Like he he's just that good. And uh, again, this is this is just a CP three effect. Like he you add him to this team and look what they're doing. And Devin Booker finally getting a chance in the playoffs to prove what he can do. That, hey, that that boy deadly. <laughs> that that boy is deadly. <laughs> He is deadly. But speaking speaking of deadly, a deadly situation for the Atlanta Hawks tonight. You know, we're not, we're not going to poke any fun at them. We're not going to poke fun at, you know, the teams that some of our guys at the network root uh, for. But the, the Hawks are down 2-1 right now. They've been struggling to stop the big fella so far in this series. Even though Joel Embiid's not 100%, he is still, you know, just doing as he pleases. Especially back in, in Game 3, the thing with Embiid was how offensively aside from his scoring it was his playmaking he was passing out at double teams he was finding his teammates open James like it when Joel Embiid is not even 100% and he's playing like that what shot do you have at uh, beating the 76ers no you're 100% right and honestly you're not gonna poke fun I'm gonna poke fun dang you guys get whoop whoop that's all right y'all beat the Knicks either way but regardless honestly this is just showing it's it's essentially what happened with the Hawks to the Knicks is you're just seeing a team with more talent. I'm sorry to my fellow colleagues on the off-ball network and any Atlanta Hawks fans watching this, but you got two stars on the Sixers, potentially three if you want to count Tobias Harris. I wouldn't. Some people would, though. He gets paid like a star. But regardless, and all you got on the Hawks is Trey Young and, yes, essentially a bunch of good role players. John Collins, he is a good player, but he is not up to the par of uh, – Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid. Well, I mean, Ben Simmons is number two. So, yeah, he's nowhere close to Ben Simmons. Honestly, he might not even be as skillful as Tobias Harris, who is the number three person. This Hawks team is a deeper team. It has more depth. But like I just said, the 76 overall has more talent. I think we're seeing it in this game. I haven't been watching. But right now, the Haw- uh, the Sixers have been leading the Hawks plus 10 for almost a full two quarters, if not uh, the first half. And game three, they just dominated them as well. Game two and one seemed pretty close. Well, game one was a close game, but game two, it seems closer than it actually was, but I feel like the Hawks never really had a chance in that game either. So I do think Philadelphia might take the next two games. If they do, yes. If not, they have it by game six. I really like James that you mentioned, because this is the way that I just simplified for the NBA, because the, the NBA is the sport where you can simplify it this way. The more talented players you have, the, the higher your chances to win the series. And that sometimes myself personally, that is how I boil it down usually when it comes to playoff predictions and stuff like that. Like, okay, who, which team has the best player on the floor? All right. Now, does the other team have the second and third and maybe fourth best player? Because that's the only way it's going to change. If you have the best player on the floor for a majority of the time, you're going to win. And as great and electric as Trey Young is, while that, like you said, for Atlanta, they had the best player on the floor in that series against the Knicks. Look who won that series. And now the script has been flipped. Who has, who's, which team has the best player on the floor? Philly. Well, guess who's up in the series and guess who's favored to win, right? And even like you said, you know, after Trey Young, the next two, three guys you take are from Philly. Like Ben Simmons is absolutely great. Should have been defensive player of the year. And Tobias Harris offensively, like you said, I, I know some Hawk fans, like I don't, I think even they can admit, like just pure skill wise, Tobias Harris is better than anyone else on the Atlanta Hawks, not named Trey Young. Like let's just, let's just be real here. Let's just talk about pure skill. Tobias Harris is that dude. He was a former all-star, honestly, he's the third guy on Philly in terms of talent, but he's essentially their second scorer. And when they've needed him to, he's actually stepped up in these playoffs. So you got to give all the credit in the world to Tobias Harris for stepping up there on that end and Philly just doing good things. Uh, ultimately, you know, the, there's our little NBA playoff talk right there. I think this is the first time we talked basketball on the show. So look, look at that. Our show, we're, we're, we're getting things going on this episode. This is a big time episode whoa, for us. Whoa, 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 whoa. We talked about when the uh, A-Rod became new owner. Ah, get that. Come on, Jerg. We, you're right. We are here for the people. We cover everything. Everything. Yeah, absolutely. Even monkey knife fights. We cover the, that too. The Las Vegas Timberwolves, right? Is that is that what they're <laughs> exactly? <laughs> Please move to Vegas. <laughs> Anyways, from NBA talk to the other sport that is in the name of our show. This was how do I put this delicately? This was an interesting last couple of days of conversational piece for Major League Baseball. Uh, James, I'm going to throw it straight to you in terms of this topic, because you, uh, as I always say, you are the baseball Don, you are the expert, you are almighty and knowing, and I bow before your baseball knowledge. But in all seriousness, this is something that until you pointed it out to me, 
in terms of planning for the show, I didn't really have my eye on it so much. So give all the people all the information they need to know about the new topic in Major League Baseball, Pine Tar. So as everyone knows, we've mentioned it before on the show. Before I've said I was a fan of it, I'm still kind of a fan of it, to be honest. As much as people are saying it's ruining the game, I don't think it's Pine Tar. I think, as we've said for countless episodes, Jerk, it is the league ruining itself. Because not only uh, is the pine tar over here where people say it helps with the spin rate, which it does. Okay, fine. But what's really ruining the sport is baseball because Rawlings, the baseball makers, are changing the baseballs itself. So the funny thing about that is guess who owns Rawlings? The MLB owns Rawlings. Exactly. So there's actually a crazy conspiracy theory going on. But before I start that, let me say how some batters aren't opposed to this stuff. And one such batter is New York Mets first baseman superstar Pete Alonzo. He actually is for it because he said these guys are throwing harder and harder every year. God forbid a 90 mile per hour, 100 mile per hour fastball comes flying at you and it came, comes flying towards your head. I'd rather they use this stuff so they have more control because I'd rather have someone who's under control of 100 miles per hour than just someone chucking it. And that sounds great. Some people didn't like it because, you know, some batters are saying it's still unused. Uh, it's still unfair for them that the pitchers get to use this. But coincidentally, I believe it was yesterday. If it wasn't yesterday, it was Saturday. As I said, Jerk, I actually sent you the video when it happened. Pete Alonzo, the man himself who said, I want them to have control so I don't have 100, mile, uh, 100 miles per hour come flying at my head. Had 100 miles per hour come flying at his head. He had a baseball from, I forget, Ooh, but it was a reliever on the Padres. Uh, as you know, he, uh, he hurt, he was fine, he got up. But as I've said, he actually is the one who came up with the conspiracy theory in the MLB where he's saying they are changing the ball due to the fact to mess with players as free agents. Because he said people have been using this stuff for years, and it's true, because they've been using this for almost uh, literally at, around the league. It was a known thing. You had the team equipment people making this stuff just for you to use it. And 95% of pitchers in the entire league use this, essentially. It's a stat floating around. So, uh, the owners are changing the baseball because due to whoever the free agent is, if it's pitchers, there was a juice ball two years ago where home runs were flying out the stadium. Now it's a whole bunch of batteries. you got a bunch of shortstops coming up next year. So, they add a little more stitching to help the pitchers out so the batters aren't swinging the bat as much. So now we know exactly, not we know exactly, but that is what P. Alonzo is saying now. I 100% believe it. I want to get your thoughts on this, Drew, because it's kind of crazy that it, this is a crazy conspiracy to just be throwing out there and, you know, have floating around. And Pete Alonzo isn't the type of guy to just say crazy things. He's a very calm, you know, keep it up to suit kind of person. But so the fact that he's saying this has you raising an eyebrow to say the least. And honestly, I wouldn't doubt it one bit because everyone knows these billionaires are the cheapest mofos out there. <laughs> I I believe it. I really do. I, out of like, like, here's the thing. If you just look at the history of baseball, this is the least shocking thing ever. This is the same league where, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, James, was it not Andre Dawson who at one point when he was absolutely at his apex there was rumors of collusion when he was supposed to be a free agent and no one wanted to pay him, pay him. So essentially he went out there, signed, I think it was with the Cubs or someone else. And he just said, told him like, pay me whatever. I don't care. I'm just going to go out there and play. And he like had an MVP caliber season or almost won the MVP award. He won the MVP. He, he won the MVP. Like how wild is that? This is the same sport where that happened. This is the same sport where owner owners colluding has been an issue before. They canceled a whole dang season while it was going on in 94, where to this day, somewhere Montreal Expos fans here hearing that have PTSD with me saying that because they fully believe that they could have and should have won the World Series that year because that was like the best Montreal Expos team of all time. At least it was rounding out to be that. Like, this is the same league where it has been that issue for so long. And I'm not surprised at all that, you know, Pete Alonso is saying this. And I think to your point, James, Pete Alonso is not just saying this. Like, it, it wasn't just a 100-mile fastball that nearly decapitated him that is making him say this. I'm sure that he has thought this, and he definitely isn't the only player and the only agent thinking this. It must be the most frustrating thing in the world where you really can't trust the owners. And this is why I always do not bl blame the players when they get into spats with ownership. You know, you'll, you'll want to know why the players were not necessarily, you know, quick to 
you know, it, it took a while before they finally negotiated last season in 2020. It's because of stuff like this. It's because of what you said, James. Like, in no way, shape, or form am I surprised that now they're going from juice balls to now fixing the ball in order to make sure that the hitters are now suffering. Because just look at the stats. We've, we've spoken about this multiple times on the show. This is the most strikeouts we've ever seen. The month of May was not even done yet. And they set the record for most strikeouts in MLB history in the month of May by like the 20th or something like that. There's nearly two more weeks left in the month. So I'm not surprised whatsoever. And honestly, James, I know you're not pushing it, but I'm on board with you. I'm with Pete Alonzo. I'm not a Mets fan, but I I will ride whatever you guys want to say about this. I'm on your side on this, James. I am going to take up the shield with you and and go against what Major League Baseball is doing. Because honestly, it's just a joke at this point. It's just a joke. And just take away the fact that, you know, they really are. Let's say they aren't doing any of this fishy stuff with the contracts. They're just ruining the game. Just look at the – they just started recently cracking down where they're going to inspect pitchers in between innings to see if they – check me, show me your hands, show me your gloves, show me your hat, show me your belt to make sure they have none of this pine tar on them. And honestly, it, it's just – you can see that there's going to be pitchers who maybe don't even belong in the league. Just look at the Red Sox this past coming weekend. In the last three games, they allowed the Blue Jays. Not even forget the last three games. Yesterday, they let the Blue Jays score 18 on them, jerk. 18. And the game before that, it was seven. And the game before that, it was five, which isn't crazy. But still, it's insane that they just their pitchers have became trash. And that is one of the big things that have the Red Sox in the place they are right now. So, honestly, it's kind of crazy, too, because if you look at pictures like Garrett Cole or look at Aroldis Chapman this past weekend, actually, he had a blown save, and he it was he left four runs within nine pitches. And, you know, he's been lights-out dominant throughout the whole season. But now, all of a sudden, because his mandates passed off, he rightfully so, he deserved a blown save. He deserved to get blown up like that because he has just been dominating. When you're dominating that good, you just – you get to get beat. Like, if Carey Price gets light up tonight, jerk, he deserves it. Like, no one can say anything to him because, yo, like, I'm playing the team on my back as much as I can. What more you want from me? So, just the fact that he was due and now you got this coming with the Pine Tar, any pitcher who is just going to be eh and have a bad game now all of a sudden is just going to be looked at and scrutinized. And just to give a quick breakdown before we end this topic, jerk, any pitcher who gets caught is getting a 10-game suspension if they get caught with any pine tar or any substance. And really, it's what's that going to do? It's a 10-game suspension, yes, but you got you to gotta find an organization or something because this goes deeper in just a person. As bad as it sounds to say, it's you're punishing the users, but you're not punishing the suppliers. So right. what's going on? But James, if I'm not mistaken, really quick to the point you made about you know the organization, didn't uh, I? Because I, I was looking up some headlines about this stuff. Didn't a minor league pitcher in the White Sox organization get uh, suspended for pine tar usage? Yes, it was like I forgot. I don't have the exact details, but he got insanely suspended. He might honestly got kicked out because right. the league was making such a big deal about that. But that's to your point. Like, if you're going to punish the players, then what? What is the organization like? Are they not culpable? Because Clearly, the players aren't just getting their own pine tar. Someone is giving it to them. I, at least that's that's how I see it. I think you you definitely bring up a point there, James, in regards to that. You kind of laid off it like just very slightly, but I, I'm definitely on your side in this through and through. Like no no matter what, I, I fully believe. I fully fully believe that Major League Baseball probably has a hand in this. There's it, it's history. I've always said this. It's all about history. You, you just look at the history of the league. There have been issues with this stuff before. Heck, even look in recent years with the Astros cheating scandal. I know it was a different situation, but think about the fact that the league, there, I am someone who's kind of a pessimist with this stuff, but there's no way the, that no one in the league offices didn't have an inkling of an idea of what the organization was doing. There's just no way. So I, I think you take that, you take what Boston was allegedly doing, you know, the Red Sox when they won. It's just this kind of stuff doesn't surprise me. And this time it's especially going to help the league because like James alluded to, this is going to help the owner's pocketbooks and these billionaire owners, as much as some people may not believe it, because weirdly enough, and I've always had this issue whenever I've appeared on any show on the network, but when it comes to millionaires versus billionaires, whenever it came to negotiations, for some reason, sports fans side with the billionaires. And that to me, I never understand. And this is really one of those cases. I really, really hope. Uh, that we that we have a situation where we we switch sides on this. We need to support the players on this straight up because 
there, there, there's got to be something, something going on because I think even earlier in the season, it wasn't just with the pine tar. I think there was some talk about the stitches being different on the baseball and all that stuff. So I, that that's the way I see it when it comes to baseball. And actually the last point that James is going to bring up uh, before we move on to our final segment is the fact that the collective bargaining agreement is coming up for the league and CPA talk is always interesting. It is always uh, a very contentious time for the players, for the owners, for the fans, because despite the fact that our money to an extent it is on the line, but it's really, it's not our money. It's the revenue sharing by the owners, by the players. We always give our thoughts. And I really hope honestly, in some way, shape or form that this just ends up being a win for the players. James, I know, you know, you were probably going to mention it, the the CBA, like this is going to affect what happens with CBA negotiations within the next year. Oh, for sure. Uh, first of all, I'd like to apologize, America. My internet went down. New house. We're still working out the kinks. Obviously, the house doesn't like the whole thing going on with this pine tar. But irregardless, <laughs> we uh, so yeah, this is gonna mess with CBA negotiations, Jerry. Because right now, the owners are turning the pitchers against the batters, and it's just this, like it was last year when it was the pandemic season. You had players against owners. So right now, the owners, all they're thinking is divide and conquer. They're splitting up the players right now because you have players like Josh Donaldson calling out Garrett Cole. Realistically, if I was Garrett Cole, I would have threw a freaking beam right at Josh Donaldson's ribs for calling me out and been like, oh, the pine tar, it's gone. Sorry, I lost control. You know, something like that. But you can't do that. But regardless, it's just it's completely unfair what the owners are doing. And they're just completely ruining the sport. And another team ruining the sport is the – Philadelphia Phillies because they are just god awful. <laughs> so let's just get straight to it, Jerk. This week we took two weeks off from our fanatic segment, but now we're back. We're taking a break from getting to know you because I'm still emotionally recovering from what the beatdown Jerk gave me. But two to one, back. baby. <laughs> we're back on how to be a fanatic. This week we are talking about the, in case you guys didn't realize, the Philadelphia Phillies and the uh, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell Philadelphia Flyers took a second, Jerry, but I got it. You see? Ah, it clicked. Irregardless. So the number one reason I have for you to be a Philadelphia Philly fan is don't. But you have budding stars on the Philadelphia Phillies, such as Bryce Harper. He's not really budding, but he's a superstar. You have uh, Aaron, Nola, uh, Aaron Nola. Sorry, can't pronounce names. Irregardless, they, both these players, you got one player on one side. You got the other player on the other side. You know how I like to do it, Jerry. I give one of each. And Bryce Harper, he's been a superstar for God knows how long. He's been one of the OG superstars from when we were in high school, Jerry. And Aaron Ola, he's having a little shaky season this year, but <laughs> I just I just realized Bryce Harper was a rookie when I was in high school. My lord. Yeah, dude, it's been a minute. <laughs> but either way, Bryce Harper got hit in the face with one of these baseballs, just saying. Same thing like Pete Alonzo, but he'd bounce back. Still looking like a pretty boy. Aaron Nola, like I was saying, he isn't having the best season, but he is still one of the best pitchers in the league. Maybe he doesn't use pine tar. Maybe he stopped using it. Who knows? We'll find <laughs> out. The number two reason why I should be a Philadelphia Philly fan is I actually was just there this weekend. I drove past the stadium. It's actually a really nice stadium. Um, actually, this year, Jer, keeping the count, that is stadium number five or six that I've oh. seen this year from the outside. Yeah, I've been killing it this year. Nice. Dude. A bunch of travel, but regardless, they have a beautiful stadium right outside of Philadelphia. I'm not a fan of the city of Philadelphia. It is <laughs> just as bad as I thought it was. No offense, Philly. But either way, how can you say no offense? Forget you, Philly. I'm <laughs> Philly. Either way, number three reason to be a Philadelphia Philly fan is Joe Girardi. This guy, he is a World Series manager, and he just keeps it real. And honestly, I think he's the main. He's one of the reasons why the Yankees aren't doing as good. You have a great World Series winning manager who keeps it old school, but he used the analytics too, which is kind of funny because people were making fun of him when he was on the Yankees. They would always call him Binder Joe because he kind of got too deep into the analytics, but here we are. All of a sudden, everyone's deep in the analytics, and now he's kind of an outlier when it comes to the analytics. Number four reason why I have for being a Philadelphia Phillies fan is it is actually they have – I hate saying it. They have one of the nicest jerseys because, you know, most teams, they got the uh, they go with the blue. They go with the red, mainly blue. But these Philly squad, they they pull off the nice red pinstripes. They make it look good. I can't. I don't know how I hate it, but they do make it look good. I can't argue that. And the number five 
reason for being a Philadelphia Phillies fan is your team is actually one of the best offensive teams at the moment. Forget the MLEs. They are pretty, uh, one of the best offensive teams in the NL. So they are a contending team. They are constantly playoff contenders. Just the only issue is you guys need to figure out your pitching, especially the bullpen, which has been an issue for countless years. Close your eyes when it's past the fifth inning. Hope for the best, and you guys might win. But other than that, I don't suggest being it, but this is the reason how to be a fanatic for the Philadelphia Phillies. And with those thoughts in tow, my five reasons of why you should be a Philadelphia Flyers fan in the sport of hockey. So number one, this is just a simple thing. You, you, you touched on it a little bit, James, with some, some of your facts. This is just a straight up fact about the Philadelphia Flyers is that even with a down season, they don't stay down and out for long. Despite the fact that they did miss the playoffs this past year in 2021, that means that there may be a good chance that they will make it back next season. The last time the Flyers uh, missed the playoffs in consecutive seasons was from 1990 to 1994. So since then, when Philly has missed the playoffs, they followed it up with at least a playoff appearance the following year and a couple times where they make a few in a row, right? So that's the good thing about this team. Even when they struggle, they have a chance next year of bouncing back and, and getting back to their winning ways, which is what you want in an organization, right? So that's number one. Number two, the future of the team appears to be in pretty good hands. A lot of very talented young players on the squad that are ages 25 and below from the guys who have, you know, showed what they can do on the ice, Travis Sanheim, Ivan Provorov, and Travis Konechny, to a couple of their young players who are developing like a Yoel Farabee in the system. They have Cam York, who is one of the most intriguing prospect defensemen in the league that I think next season there's a chance he'll be on the Flyers roster. Uh, and then in net, Carter Hart, he had a, a very tough year too, but I'm a firm believer in Carter Hart. I think he's going to bounce back next season. And if he, he just, you know, improves on things, he puts this year behind him and he builds himself back up. Carter Hart at his best has the potential to be the best goalie in the league straight up he has that potential that is his ceiling not top not just top 10 not just top eight he there will be nights where he could be the best goalie in the league if he reaches his ceiling so i really hope that he ends up getting there uh, on the flyers because i'm a, I'm a fan of prospects <laughs> i'm a big fan of prospects uh number three the fan base while rabid while sometimes insane and i've seen it firsthand they're passionate and if you want an experience when you go to the game of people just absolutely losing their minds and going bananas for a game and, and just absolutely going at it and, and really making themselves part of the environment, then you want to go to a Flyers game. I know it sounds strange, James, but truthfully, like Philadelphia fans, they're crazy. They're crazy. You hate them, but they are pretty entertaining. You got to give them a little bit of credit. They pretty won the Super Bowl on a guy ate poop on the street. Jerk. Well, I'm not talking poop. about the Eagles. I'm talking about the Flyers. They're the all fly the same. <laughs> they're all one and the same. But hey, you want to be part of that rabid fan base? I mean, to be fair, they're also a reason why you shouldn't want to be a fan. But if you, hey, if you're down for some craziness, become a Philadelphia fan. On uh, number four, marquee rivalries and intensity overall. The the Flyers, it feels like they have a, like like half the team could be their rivals on any given night because they could just you know start body checking and going at it. But their main rivalries, of course, them and the New York Rangers have had some duels recently. Uh, them and the Boston Bruins, them and the Capitals. Uh, but number one of them all is them and the Pittsburgh Penguins, the cross state rivals. It's always you know it's a rivalry literally written in blood. Uh, and whenever a couple of years ago the 2019 Stadium Series that the two teams had that actually took place in Lincoln financial field. Yours truly was actually at that game. And it was quite the environment to say the least. And it was definitely, if, <laughs> Hey, for a hockey game, it looked pretty good. It looked pretty good. So I definitely enjoyed my time there. And it was just absolutely electric to see, you know, Pittsburgh Penguins fans and Philadelphia Flyers fans going at it with one another, like, you know, just, just trash talking and seeing their teams play to an overtime, mind you, in you know like the the sleet and the snow that it was just a it was just so much fun it was just so much fun and then my fifth and final reason gritty you don't just have the best mascot in all of hockey you got the I best mascot in all of sports you got you got the best whoa, mascot whoa, whoa, whoa. in all of sports time out, time out, time out, time out. no don't even nope nope james james i'm not even gonna accept who you're gonna argue no gritty is the best mascot in all of sports he is the number one. Mr. Met had his time. You know, Mr. Met, he, he's like LeBron. He was the guy for the longest, but now he's starting to get injured. He's starting to have these issues with the Mets. And, and Gritty is just the new guy ready. He's going to drop 30 on him like Devin Booker. And so that 
is the no, that may be my fifth reason, but that is the true number one reason why you should want to be a Flyers fan because Gritty is the guy and he's going to entertain you. It was very entertaining at the stadium series when uh, you know, uh, when you we were know, there. Funny, I co- I completely intentionally just left out the uh, the Philly fanatic. One nothing to do with that guy in my life. <laughs> Forget that guy. I hate, him. I hate him. Hate him. Hate him. Either way. <laughs> Mr. Matt, best mascot. I'm just saying, Gritty doesn't have like a meme or a gif of him flipping someone off, right? Mr. Matt keeps a G, keeps it OG, original gangster. He has clips of throwing pies in people's faces and like taking taking off the jersey and running around in the stadium. He, Mr. Matt, at his peak was special, but Gritty, Gritty's the new kid on the block. You just gotta accept it. Just like we sadly have to accept the fact that this week's episode is over, ladies and gentlemen. So thank you all once again for joining us on another electric episode of Bunsen Bruises from uh, our Pine Tar Talk to the playoffs to the Phillies and the Flyers. We had quite the show tonight. James, as always, send us off. Serenade the people. Where can they find us? You guys already know. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram, Bards underscore talks. You can follow Jerg on Twitter, JergK40. Make sure to follow us on Bunsen Bruises. Make sure to subscribe, like, and comment on YouTube. Follow us on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts, Anchor. We're still working on Apple. They don't want us to be great, but it's okay. I'm going to take that title money anyway. Even regardless, see you guys next week. One more episode. Bunsen Bruises. Peace. <laughs>